All right, if you can, turn in your Bibles to the book of Haggai, chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 through 11. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1468. 1468. Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Thus ends our reading of God's infallible word. May all who hear it take careful thought to all their ways. How many of you here would say that you have a busy life? Any show of hands there? Yeah, the majority of you. I'm pretty impressed that you made it here today, though, as busy as you are and with all the snow. Um, how many of you would say that, 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 that you feel like your time is precious? Yeah? There's family. There's work. There's school. Right? Who of you have, have ever said this once, once in your life? You know, once, once life settles down a bit, then I'll focus more on God. <laughs> a few of you out there, huh? Yeah, I, I've been there. I mean, after all, what, is, what does God have to do with being a nurse or running a business or being a teacher? What does Jesus have to do with being a father or a mother? How does the Lord affect your grades at school or your performance on the basketball court? These are the things, things in our everyday life that this book of Haggai challenges us with. And they are the things to which we, as God's church, should give careful thought. Last week, we, we began our journey into this book of Haggai, and, and we saw that the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and was given to Zerubbabel, the, the, the kingly heir of the Davidic line, and to Joshua, the high priest. God was bringing unity among the three anointed offices of prophet, priest, and king in order to direct his people to build his house. 
And the word that was given to these men concerned the sin of the people. It had been 18 years since the, these exiles had returned to the promised land, but they had yet to rebuild the temple of their Lord. They had made lives for themselves, but they had neglected what was most important. You see, there was always some sort of obstacle in getting in their way. At first, they, they, they received threats from their neighbors, and so the construction halted. Now they were having economic woes as there was a drought, and, and King Darius had imposed that new tax to support his troops. The people, they would say to one another, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. But the prophet Haggai was preparing to speak to them. And he was going to speak to them a word of rebuke, along with God's command to rebuild his temple. And in order to wake his people up, God had unified these three offices as a means of validating his message so that the people would have no more excuses. And so today we're going to look at that message of Haggai and see how it applies to us as well. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 again. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? The rebuke of the Lord comes in the form of a question. And this is the way that God often works when he desires his people to repent. He, he will challenge them to think about what they have done. He wants them to look deep within in order for them to understand the depravity of their own hearts. These people, these ones who said that the time had not yet come, they had made the time to construct paneled houses. Now these paneled houses weren't just shacks. This type of paneling that's referred to here was the cedar that was brought down from the mountains. And it was often used to beautify royal dwellings. In fact, this same type of paneling was, was the paneling that Solomon used for his own throne room. It had been 18 years since they had returned to the land. Time enough for a young boy to become a man and build his own paneled house. And yet the time had not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. The hypocrisy among the people was palpable. Were they living in hard times? Yes. Were they barely making it? Yes. And yet they had built houses that wouldn't suggest so. They had neglected what should have been their top priority, while at the same time, they had put in the effort to make their houses look extravagant. God wants his people to ponder over their neglect of him. But not only that, he, he wants them to consider the consequences of such neglect. Look at verses 5 and 6. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. 
You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Hard times for sure. Every aspect of their life seemed to be a challenge for them. But why? God wanted them to take careful thought to their ways. In other, in other words, he wanted them to think about why they were suffering. He wants them to put two and two together. Often I have heard it said that, that head knowledge gets in the way of heart knowledge. Well, God thinks otherwise. He gave you a brain for a reason, and he wants you to use it. Not to ignore your heart, but to understand it. What do we see happening here in this passage? They planted much. In other words, they, they were a hard-working people. But for all of that hard work, they had little to show for it. They would eat and drink, but never be full. Because uh, the harvest was so little, for them, food and drink had to be relegated to sustenance only and not for merriment. And because there was no extra food, they could sell very little. They didn't have enough money to purchase new clothes. And the, and the garments that they had on were in tatters, un unable to keep them warm. And what little money they did make could not be stored away because of that ever-increasing tax helping to fund the armies of King Darius. This was their ordeal. They were in economic woes. And God wanted them to give, wanted them to give careful thought to all of this. He wanted them to look at their troubles and ask the question, why? How often do you assess your own life? How often do you take the time to put, put all the cards out on the table and ask the question, why? Why am I struggling financially? Why am I depressed? Why am I always getting into trouble? Why is my marriage on the rocks? Why is there tension between me and my, and my children? For the people of God, the, the question for them was this. Why, no matter how much effort we put into our work, we can never seem to get ahead? God had an answer for them. But before he gave them that answer, he offered a solution to their troubles. Look at verses 7 and 8. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Here we get to the heart of the issue. God was commanding his people on what it was that they needed to do in order to correct their situation. He was showing them a pathway towards repentance. And there, were, and there were three commands that they must follow. Go up, bring down, and build. Go up into the mountains, bring down the timber, and build the house. This is a call to action. No longer could they say the time has not yet come. Here's what you have to understand about the attitude of the people of this day. 
They had the same attitude that, that James warned about in his epistle. Faith without works. Look at James 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. These people claim to be the people of Yahweh, the, the, the children of promise. But for 18 years, they had been ignoring their God. No temple being built, no sacrifices being made. Their faith was dead. There were no deeds demonstrating that their beliefs were genuine. But now, God was giving them his command, a command to take action. They were to go up, they were to bring down, and they were to build. Why? Well, God gives to his people two reasons. First, so that he may take pleasure in it. And second, so that he would be honored. Let's look at these two things a little closer. First, God's pleasure. What is God talking about here? What this is referring to is, is the way that God is pleased with his people when they offer an accepting sacrifice. In Leviticus, when speaking of the burnt offerings the, the, that the priests were to sacrifice, God described it as a pleasing aroma. Look at Leviticus 1, verse 9. He is to wash the inner parts and the legs with the water, and the priest is to burn all of it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. When God's people make their sacrifices in faith, it pleases God. Why? Because it smelled good? No, that's not it. Because at that time, it was the given means by which his people could be forgiven. God desires to show mercy, but he is a God of justice as well. And so there must be a way that, that the people can demonstrate their faith knowing that their sins would be taken care of. These offerings were pleasing to God because they showed a heart of repentance in the people. Of course, such sacrifices were just the forerunners of that ultimate sacrifice that comes through Christ alone. Only through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross can sins truly be dealt with. And that is what these offerings at the temple, that's what they were pointing to. They demonstrated to the people both the seriousness of their sins and their need for God's wrath to be appeased in order to receive forgiveness, in order for God to find joy in his people. So while it was for God's pleasure that this temple be rebuilt, it was for the people's good. For without the temple of God, they had no means of forgiveness. Similarly, without Christ and his appeasing sacrifice on the cross, there can be no forgiveness of sins. 
Jesus is the offering that we look to, that we look to in faith, in order that God may take pleasure in us. The second reason on why it was necessary for them to build the house of God was for God's honor. This speaks to God's prestige among the nations. Without a temple, how can the, how can the God of Israel become known throughout the world? How can a, how can a God be, be honored when his own people don't even build him a house and offer him sacrifices? Israel was supposed to be this light to the world. This light to the nations. They were to lead Gentiles into true worship. How could they do that if they weren't doing it themselves? By the same token, today God is honored when his people come together in order to worship him. The church becomes a light to the world when, 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 it, when the world sees Christians taking seriously their worship of their God. Part of the reason it is, it is so important that, that you come to church on a regular basis is because it provides a witness to an unbelieving world. When, when God is important enough to disrupt your life, it speaks volumes to those who see your faith. However, if, if the world sees something different, when, when your worship becomes infrequent, what it communicates to those around you is that your God is not all that special. Ask yourself, do you honor your God by giving up your valuable time in order to worship Him? And if not, what is the idol that is getting in your way? These Jews, they were, they were to go up, they were to bring down, and they were to build. First, for God's pleasure, so that, so that they might have that means of forgiveness. And second, for God's glory, that they might be a witness to the nations that surrounded them. And the same thing is true for you as well. Let's continue further. Look at, look at verses 9 through 11. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands." Here, God gives them the answer to the, what, to the why question. The, why were these people struggling? And the reason was because, because they had neglected to build God's house. They had not put God first. Listen, they, they were supposed to be a covenant people under the law of Moses. A law which speaks of receiving blessings for their obedience and, and curses for when they are disobedient. And how were they supposed to avoid these curses and receive those blessings if they could not prioritize the, the, the very basic command, which was to worship their God? In the book of Deuteronomy, God gave to his people a list of these curses that they would suffer as a nation 
if they were not obedient to him. And, and some of these specific things were happening to them. Look, look at Deuteronomy 28, verses 38 through 40. You will sow much seed in the field, but you will harvest little because locusts will devour it. You will plant vineyards and cultivate them, but you will not drink the wine or gather the grapes because worms will eat them. You will have olive trees throughout your country, but you will not use the oil because the olives will drop off. The crops described here, the, the grain, the, the new wine and the oil, these are the very ones that were not producing for God's people. They were not in abundance because God had called for a drought. God wants them to think. He, he wants them to give careful thought. He, he wants them to understand that their economic woes were linked to their neglect of him. They may not have been bowing to idols, but they had created an idol by putting themselves before God. They had left the, the main thing to focus on all the, the lesser things, even though these lesser things come from that main thing. What are the idols in your life that, that keep you from the main thing? What is it that takes up your time? What is it that keeps you busy? Where does your money go? What is it that, that prevents you from devoting yourself to your king? Dear friends, what, what you have to realize and what the Jews of Haggai's day had to realize is that everything we do, whether it be work or school or family life, all of it has a direct connection to God. He must be central in all that we do. Now, as Christians, you, you're, you're, you're not under a conditional covenant as they were in the Old Testament. But how can you, as God's people, expect God to guide your steps if you neglect your worship of Him? If you prioritize other things over Him, then don't expect Him to be in those other things. The challenge of those Jews is the same challenge of the church today. Each one of us is busy with our own house, and we have little time for the Lord. God is calling for repentance. He is calling for careful thought in all your ways. He is calling you to take action and build His house. For He desires a people who will worship Him so that He may take pleasure in it and be honored so that you may receive forgiveness and that His church would be a light to the world. Let us pray. Father, we confess that too often we focus on our own house instead of yours. We don't give careful thought to our busy lives, and so we, and so we just put you off thinking that we can get to you later. Help us to repent. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may come into your presence. And let us cling to that, that ultimate sacrifice that pleased you when your Son was nailed to that cross. And may our devotion to you be a beacon of light to the rest of the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.